Welcome to Your Life, Your Purpose, a show dedicated to helping you live with greater power and purpose in your life by taking action. Action. Now, your host, a man who needs no introduction, Brandon Allen. All right, so I want to welcome everyone to this week's installment of Your Life, Your Purpose. As always, this is your host, Brandon Allen, and I am excited to bring you another great business podcast this week. So uh, feeling a little bit under the weather today, so we're going to see how this goes. Um, I'm confident that I can get through uh, get through this recording, but um, we will uh, we'll see we'll wait and see if my voice sounds a little funny. That is why. So today I wanted to talk a little bit about. Uh, again, I want to spend some time with management because, <clears throat> you know, I've been spending a lot of time here, but I really feel like with regards to people as assets and the people in our, on our teams and the people that, that work for us, uh, there's so much potential there to allow us to do bigger things and to play at a bigger level if we can just get people on the same team and to really believe. And, and you know, a, a story that I recently read uh, you know, that really inspired me uh, was just reading a little bit about Tony Dungy's story. And uh, if you're not familiar with Tony Dungy, uh, he was a, a, a football coach. Now he's an analyst on, uh, I believe, NBC. And uh, he coached the Indianapolis Colts and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But back when he coached the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I mean, Tampa Bay was an absolute laughingstock of football, just a terrible team that hadn't had success for years and years. I mean, they were a relatively new franchise, and I think they'd been to the playoffs once in the last 15 years before Tony took over. And Tony really, uh, you know, Tony really talked about, you know, really uh, inspiring his people and getting them on board, but, you know, doing that through simplicity. But it really went to show that, uh, you know, just changing people's approach and having a system that really works uh, can really help you get the most out of your team. And so that's why we've been spending so much time on management. And that's why it's so important because it's so critical, but it's such a, a daunting uh, subject for a lot of us to really uh, get our arms around a lot of times. But today specifically, I want to talk about what happens when we make our employees' problems our problems. And I, and I wanted to give you a little background on kind of what this looks like. And this is something that's near and dear to my heart. As someone who grew up in an alcoholic family, um, and and saw, and and I see what happens when we make other people's problems our problems in a personal setting and also in a in a business setting. And uh, I think we're all familiar with the term enabling. And enabling is uh, the the best definition that I've seen for enabling is doing for someone things that they could and should be doing for themselves. Simply enabling creates an atmosphere in which the in which you know a person can comfortably continue his unacceptable behavior. And so, how do we do this as managers? Now, I'm not saying that we're always enabling. I mean, there's sometimes you know help is important. For instance, helping the definition you know because this is a big uh, this is a big topic and and a big. Uh, a definitive line here between what is helping and what is enabling. And helping is doing something for someone that they are not capable of doing themselves. And so, you know, this is where accountability and some of those uh, things that we can do to help people raise their level of performance is important. But 
as we think about enabling in, in the workplace, you know, how do we enable people? And probably the biggest thing that we do to enable our work, the people that work for us, is we try to solve their problems for them. We, we make their problems our problem. And, and, it, and it's, a ca- it's a classic case of enabling in that we don't allow people to figure out how to fix their own problems. And it's so important for people to really learn this. And, and right now in this country, we're at a critical mass around people who, quite frankly, there's, there's kids growing up right now who, quite frankly, have zero ability to problem solve on their own. Why? Because we have a generation of helicopter parents who are trying to do everything that they can to make sure that their kids don't fail and don't get hurt. Well, the reality is, is in life, we fail and we get hurt, whether someone is protecting us or not. And so how, it's how we deal with those failures and how we deal with that hurt that really determines whether or not we're going to be successful or we're going to be a failure. But the problem is, is we're not giving people tools to do that. And so we're going to talk a little bit about little today about how do we give people the tools? How do, we, how do we encourage them to really solve their own problems so we don't take these problems on? And I'll give you a classic scenario of how this looks in, in our workplaces. Um, this is, uh, you know, for instance, someone comes to you with a problem. Let's say you have an employee that's underperforming. They come to you with a problem and they say, look, I'm just not getting the job done, this and that. You sit down and you put your Superman cape on as a manager or a business owner and you say, you know what, here's what you've got to do. You got to do step one, you got to do step two, you got to do step three, four, five. You do these five steps, bam, you're going to nail it. Okay? And that sounds great, right? We, we think about that and we think that sounds reasonable. It sounds reasonable that we would uh, outline that for people so that they can do that. Well, what's the problem in that? The problem in that is that if they do those five steps and they fail, did they fail or did you fail them? And in that mindset now, it becomes a situation where you have now failed that person because you gave them the plan. It's not your plan. It's not our plan or their plan. It's your plan. And, and that's a problem. Because now, if I fail as an employee, I can look back at you and say, you know what? Uh, your advice was pretty crappy. If you wouldn't have given me such crappy advice... I would have, I may have succeeded. I wouldn't have got fired. I wouldn't have missed that promotion. Um, you know, whatever the, whatever the things that uh, are keeping them, uh, whatever their failure keeps them from getting. So <clears throat> that's a scenario that we want to avoid, but it's an all too common scenario uh, that we have. Now, I want to set some context around what this looks like. And this really comes about from the fact that I, I remember I posted a video about a year or so ago about confrontation. And I talked about the three keys for confrontation, and, and we'll spend some time with those here in a minute. And someone had said, well, that's all fine and good in theory, but in practice, um, you know, not everyone can do this. And, you know, basically criticizing me for the advice, saying that the advice is good, but not everyone can do it. And to me, that's just absolute bullshit. Um, everyone can do what I'm talking about. Everyone can be the kind of manager that inspires their team and leads them to greatness. The only reason that you're not that way, if if you're struggling with that right now, is that you don't believe that you can be or you don't desire to be. Those, that's the only reason why you're not the kind of manager that you want to be for your team. 
So I don't buy that, oh, you, not everyone can do this. It's bullshit. These things can be learned. And quite frankly, uh, people who are saying, I don't know why people would even say that. Okay. So if you, if you believe you can't and you have no desire to change as a manager, then of course you will never be the kind of manager that you should be for your team. But in this context, so I want to set some context there. Look, there's more to handling these situations than what I'm going to talk about today. I, I couldn't possibly give you everything that you need to know about, it, about being a manager in a podcast. It would be a really long podcast. It would go on for days. It'd be like a management marathon pod, you know, podcast. So just understanding that there's more pieces to this, but this is something you can practice and start learning. Management a lot of times is trial and error. When I started as a manager, I was terrible as a manager. I was a terrible manager. My team hated me. I, I probably I uninspired them versus inspired them to do well. Um, and that was the reality of the situation. So, um, <clears throat> so going back to the situation, when we, when we create, uh, when we take on our employees' problems and we enable them, okay, how do we handle that situation differently? So let's take a look at a different scenario as we, as we go through this and say, okay, so let's, let's say that you have an employee that is underperforming. And let's and so we want to take that underperforming employee. And number one, we can't tackle the entire underperformance uh, in its entirety. We just can't do that. So what are some of the one or what what is what is the primary issue that's getting overlooked or neglected by the employee that we need to address? First of all, we need to start there. Because if we come to people with a laundry list of disappointments and failures. Uh, it's too overwhelming, and, and quite frankly, it's over for that person. If you come to them with that kind of a confrontation, saying, oh, you never do this right, or you never do that right, and you always screw this up, and then there's this and this and this, you know, we think we're giving them a wake-up call, a, a come to Jesus, but what we're doing is we're we're kicking them out the door, basically. And so as you go through this and you look at it, think about what is that top primary area that we want to cover and we want to confront that we want and need behavior to change in. And when I talked about those rules of confrontation, there's three rules of confrontation to make it effective. And the first one is to be timely. So when I see issues arise, I want to confront that immediately, as soon as I possibly can. Now, that doesn't mean that you can do it right on the spot, nor does it mean that you always should. But I do want to confront it within a reasonable time frame, at least that same day if I can Okay, and I want to do it at the end of the day so they can start the next day clean, right? Sometimes we start confrontation in the morning. Man, that sucks to get confronted in the morning and then have to try to put our best foot forward the rest of the day. I don't know if you've ever tried that, but it's really hard. So if you have to do it then, fine, but I would try to do it towards the end of the day so they can go home, vent about it, and come in the next day and, and, <clears throat> and put their best foot forward. So the first one is be timely. The second one is be specific, right? What is the specific area? So I talked to you about the laundry list. That sucks. But the other one is vagueness. Okay, so sometimes I hear a confrontation like this. Joe so-and-so, you know, I just feel like you don't care. I feel like you're not trying as hard as you can. I feel like you're not working up to your potential. You know, we use these kind of general terms, and those, those types of terms don't mean anything. Okay, well, what do you mean I'm not working hard? So if someone says, well, I feel like I'm working really hard, well, where do you go with that? Are you gonna, you're questioning their desire, and, and now you're, you're throwing out some general, I feel like you don't care. 
Uh, that's a really dangerous statement to make to people. You better have some real specific evidence that supports what you're saying. Because to question someone's desire is a, is a very much, uh, for me, if someone questions my desire, uh, it's, it's very insulting. It's one of the most insulting things that you can do to me in the professional realm to say, you know what, I feel like you don't care. Well, that's, that's very insulting. So if you feel like someone doesn't care, you better have some real strong evidence to back it up. But I would back away from that altogether and focus on the specific behavior that's going wrong. So why do you think that they don't care? What does that look like? Why, why don't they care? Are they, are they not showing up to work on time? Are they not getting along with other employees? Are they treating customers poorly? What does it look like in their day-to-day uh, work that you're concerned about? And stay on a specific issue. Hey, here's the deal. You're supposed to come into work at 9. You've been coming in consistently at 9.15. Okay? And let me show you the last two weeks to support what I'm saying. Here's when you clocked in here. Here's when you clocked in here. Oh, Okay. I can't argue with that, right? That's hard to argue with. Now, as an employee, I might try to spin that off into something else, and I might try to, to give you a smokescreen, but I want to keep that specific, right? The third thing is to be professional. And to be professional means that we treat people with respect, which means we don't raise our voice. We don't confront them in public. Um, we, don't, uh, we don't question their personhood. Uh, and make statements like that that are upsetting. Uh, to give you an example of what this looks like, uh, I, I had someone pull me aside one time when I very first started in the corporate world and asked me if my dad would have been proud of me uh, because of what my numbers look like for a particular month. Well, <clears throat> the problem with that statement was, there, there was a lot of problems with that statement. Uh, number one, I never knew my dad or had a relationship with him. Um, and so for that person to say that in that moment, that really touched on a pretty, a pretty sensitive subject for me. And he's lucky he didn't get punched. Um, I mean, I was that angry about it that I thought about punching him in the face. Um, and, and really he shouldn't even have come at me like that, but you know, that's, I, I, I hear managers sometimes talk to people like that. And I think you gotta be kidding me. That's not inspirational. That's insulting. And if you say it to the wrong person, you're going to damage them and you're going to create some real problems. So I want to be professional. What would a pro do? How would a pro teach people? And, and the whole goal of this whole thing that I'm talking about today is I want to fight for my team like I talked about before. How do we fight for our team? But I want to be supportive. If people work for me, how do I, how do I make these people allies versus adversaries? People that work for me are not adversaries, they're allies. And how do I support them so that they can do their job best? I invested in them when I hired them, for better or worse. Maybe my hiring decision wasn't the very best, and maybe, you're, maybe you have people like that. But you hired them, and it, it makes way more sense to make that person work than to hire someone else. In that same corporate job when I was a manager, I started looking at statistics on how much it cost me to make a bad hire. It was $150,000 per bad hire per year when I made a bad hire. $150,000. Now, that's in the corporate world. That's still a lot of money. For some of you who work in a smaller business setting, um, think about that. It may not be $150,000 for you, but I guarantee you it's probably three times what their salary is. So I want to invest that time to make it work because I want to make it work. So those three keys for confrontation are important, okay, to think about as we talk about this, okay? So the first thing that I want to do, and I talked about it already when I confront this situation, is 
I want to fight for my team. How do I fight for how do I fight for them? How do I be supportive? It's basically all about being supportive. How do I create support in this situation, right? Because I'm about to come at someone and talk to them about how their work is not quite up to standard. Um, and so that's a sensitive subject, right? Not everyone's going to think, oh, that's so great. You know, thank you for telling me that I'm not performing well. I was so appreciative of the time that we just spent together, right? It doesn't always, uh, people, we, we don't think like that. Even if later we think, you know what? I'm glad you brought that to my attention. You're right. I was screwing that up. I mean, we've had those conversations, right? But initially people don't. So I want to be as supportive as I can be by saying, listen, this isn't for me. This isn't an indictment of you as an employee and your long-term future here, but there's a specific issue that we need to confront. And I want to confront this because number one, you're so valuable to this team. When you're doing great, we're doing great, and I need you. It's that important that you do well. When you're not doing well, our team suffers. And you're a, you're a huge part of this. When I hired you, here's what I saw. You know, go back to some of those things. You know, I saw someone who was really, uh, you know, really outgoing, very personable, very energetic. Uh, right now, what I'm, you know, right now, I want to see that. And so... Then I, then I go from fighting for my team to clearly stating the issue at hand, right? I said, be specific. So I want to be specific. What is the issue that we're talking about today? And we're only going to talk about this issue. Now, what an employee will try to do is they'll try to take you off that issue and put you on another issue. And one of the ways that they do that is by a personal attack to you. So an employee may come to you and say, you know what? You never do this. You never do that. And listen, it's so easy to fall for that bait. Every single time I see, and I used to do it myself, and I see other business owners and managers fall for this all the time. The employee throws the bait, they get critical, and then all of a sudden, forget anything that we were talking about. It becomes a confrontation. A confrontation in a negative way, not in a positive way. So if someone comes at me personally and tells me about how inadequately I'm doing my job, what I do is I say, listen, I appreciate you bringing that up. We're not going to talk about this today, but we will talk about this issue again at a later time. But we're not going to do that today. That's not what this meeting is for. So I, I write it down, I table it, and then I go back to the issue at hand. Okay, This works. It works every single time. I'll say, listen, I appreciate you bringing that up. It's obviously important to you. I want to make sure we address that, but we're not going to do that today. We're going to address that at a later time. Today, we're going to talk about this issue, and that's all we're going to talk about today, okay? Just so you understand that I'm running the conversation, this is my meeting, my agenda, we're going to accomplish what I need to get accomplished today. So I'm going to clearly state that issue, and if people try to throw a little bait out there to get me off topic, I'm not going to fall for it. Then the, 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 the third area is, is, is working together for a solution, okay? And so... What does that look like? Now, working together, for a lot of us, sometimes working together, what it means is I'm the smart manager or business owner, so I'm going to put my cape on and I'm going to fix the problem. I'm going to be Mr. Problem Solver. I'm going to fix it. You know, how do I make this happen? You know, I'm going to fly in and save the day. You know, I see this with like parents with their kids' homework, okay? And I'm a parent. I have four kids. I get it. Your kid doesn't turn something in, so what do we do? Or they forget it at home. We, we rush down to school and we save the day. We stop what we're doing and we save the day. 
Okay. Well, forget that. Okay. What I want my kid to understand is, you know what? You screwed up. You know what? I told you to make sure you grabbed it when you left the door. You didn't. And here are the consequences to your actions. Now your assignment is late. Because in this world, there are consequences, right? But I want to work together for a solution. So when I confront that situation, I say, what can we do to get a different outcome next time? Okay, and that's what I want to do for my employees. What can we do to work together to come up with a different outcome? Here's what's going on. Here's why it's unacceptable, okay? Here's where it's, here's where it's breaking down our processes. What can you do to fix this, Right? What does that look like? Okay. Now I've completely put the ball in their court and I'm saying, look, what are you going to do to fix this problem? What does that look like for you? And then you know what I do? I shut my mouth and I sit there and I wait and I wait until they start saying something. Now, a response to this might be, I don't know. And that is an acceptable response. You know why? Because my response is, I don't either. If you don't know, neither do I. Okay? That's a real problem. This is your job, your work. If you don't know how to fix your job, your work, we're screwed. I'm not you. I don't do your job. I do a different job. Okay? You better figure it out. Why is that important? Because I want people thinking about how they fix their own damn problems, right? And if they say, I don't know, that's unacceptable. That means that tells me that's someone who isn't thinking hard enough about how to get engaged in what it is that they do and take their game to the highest level. Okay? So I don't know is not acceptable, and I will not accept that as an answer. And I will look right back at them and say, I don't either. You are you. You know you better than anyone. You know your job. How can you do your job best? Okay, figure it out. I need you to do that. And then I sit and I wait and I'm patient and I wait for them to start coming up with some ideas. Give me something. And maybe, you know what, if I need to, I'll prompt them with some, hey, what about, you know, you know, what about this or what about that? Just to kind of get the conversation going. But I'm not going to do that unless I absolutely have to. Because I want them to start thinking. And once they start thinking, I'll jump in and I'll start helping them a little bit. And I'll say, and if I see something wrong, I'll try to poke holes in it to get them to think through this. Right Now, sometimes an employee will come up with a bad idea and our inclination is just to shoot it down. Right, That won't work. Well, listen, I want them to figure that out for themselves. Okay, So I may poke some holes in it, but if they hold fast to it, I'll just let them go out and try it. And then when it doesn't work, I'll say, okay, well, what else can we do? Okay. That way, again, it's their solution. It's their deal. Okay. Just because we're the business owner or manager does not give us the credibility to say that, hey, we've tried that in the past and it hasn't worked. So that, and people don't accept that. That's not acceptable for people, right? So I want them to work through that. Now, by the end of the time, We will have come up with a specific solution. As we work together for a solution, we're working through this together. And at the end, we're going to come back with a plan. So I'll know that things are changing by what I see on a day-to-day basis. So how will that look? What result can I expect as a result of this change? How are you going to make this transformational versus just us talking? 
Okay, because that's the important part, right? I don't want it to happen again. And if it does, we're going to talk about it again. But if I see you actively engaged in the solution and it doesn't work, I'm okay with that. Let's go back to the drawing board and figure something else out. But if you're not implementing the game plan, then I've got a real problem. Okay, so the fourth thing is follow-up. Okay, now this is the critical part. This is where it all goes wrong. We set the plan. We do all this stuff. It's great. Hey, we're going to win. We got it. They go out there. They don't execute. We don't follow up. You know what they think? It doesn't matter. It wasn't that important, so who cares? I guess I can just not worry about it. Okay, follow-up is critical. The very next day, hey, how was that going? What did you see differently as a result of trying this? What's been a challenge? Is there a problem that we need to address? Maybe something that we didn't see. Okay, follow-up is important, right, for the long-term success. Why do I want to follow up? Because I want it to work, and I want them to win. That's why I follow it up. But a lot of times, we don't follow it up, which tells me you don't care about winning, and it's not that important to you. You don't care about that person's success. Now, you probably care about both, but when you don't follow up, that's what I think. So, and I know I work with a lot of practitioners, and they say, you know what, I don't have time for that. Well, you better make time, because it's that important. Okay, it's important, so make that time. Following up is critical. Following up so I can praise when it's done well and I can reinforce that behavior. And number two, we can talk about issues that are happening along the way, right away. So this person knows it's not business as usual. When we have this conversation, it's because we are gonna make some real change. And if real change doesn't happen, we're gonna make change in another way and it's not gonna be positive. So, follow-up is critical, and it's where we, this is where we screw it up when we don't follow up. And this is where when you create the plan, make sure the plan is simple enough to follow up, right? Sometimes we create such an elaborate plan. I've been totally guilty of this. I create this elaborate plan, and I'm like, how the hell am I going to follow this up? Like when we talk about we don't have time, well, look, we only have so much time, right? And so I know everyone only has so much time. So with that being the case, make it easy for yourself to follow it up. Don't create too elaborate of a plan that's like, oh my gosh, I really got to be on my game to make sure this is happening. Make, it, make sure it's a simple solution, okay? something that both of you can implement and follow up on so that you have the greatest chance for success. Okay, so let me take you through that again. Number one is fighting for your team, and that's being supportive. The second thing is clearly stating the issue at hand. Number three is working together for a solution. And number four is follow-up, okay? <clears throat> this is a tool for connecting. It's a tool for getting enhanced performance from your team. Um, It's just something that is going to enhance the performance of of everyone because it starts with support and it ends with follow-up and it just shows that, you know what, I care about your success. And there's not a greater connector tool in your management tool belt than just telling someone, you know what, I care. I care about your success and I'm invested in it. Because when you win, we all win. When you lose, we all fail a little bit. Okay, It's that important. I want people to know on my team that, look, you're so important that if you don't perform well, none of us performs well. It's that important to do. So think about that for your management style. Think about what that would look like in your team as you start putting some of these things in place. How can you avoid making your team's problems, your problems, right? If someone's underperforming, it's not my problem as a manager or a business owner. It's not. It's their problem. And I want to make sure it's their problem. I don't want to enable their behavior. I don't want to 
help them do something that they should be doing for themselves, right? The classic definition of enabling. And now what you've just told, now you've just created a whole issue of lack of accountability of, you know, this, if I get into trouble, if I get into trouble, my bit, the business owner will just save me and, you know, he'll make it right or she'll make it right. Well, I don't want that mentality. I want people to own it. So people always ask me, Brandon, how do I get my people to own things? How do I get my people to really work on the important things and really care? Well, create an environment to allow them to do that. Make them do that. And you can do it. And if they can't do it, find someone who will. And then set that context up front. We're gonna, you know, we'll talk about that later with hiring. But um, <clears throat> when you bring someone into the fold, you know, I want them to know day one right up front, this is what we do. This is how we do things. This is why we do it. This is how important it is. And, and take them through that. So, so think about that. Think about how you confront behavior and how you deal with a, someone who's underperforming or someone who's underperforming in a specific area. How do you deal with that? Do you deal with it the right way? Do you find yourself taking on your employees' problems as if they're your own and trying to solve them? If you do, how can you flip that back on them to really empower them? Because I promise you, when you do this, at first, it's going to suck for them. They're going to hate it and they're going to resist it. But guess what? In the long run, they're going to appreciate you and love the fact that you cared enough to empower them and teach them something that will make them successful for years and years to come, even if that's not in your current place of business, but somewhere else. There's nothing more gratifying for me than getting a note from an employee who works somewhere else saying, you know what, man, that lesson that you taught me about XYZ was so huge and I use it every time and it just makes me an A player wherever I go. And it's awesome. I love seeing that. I love it. So how can you get the most out of your team? How can you really treat your team like the asset that they are and really get as much from that relationship as you possibly can so that it's rewarding for everyone? And that is the key. So think about how you're going to do that. Put that game, game plan in place. If you have any questions, hit me up on buildyoursoulpurpose.com. I will always respond to any questions that you have. And I look forward to, for you to having a great week. Go out and manage your team and be the kind of manager that, you, that I know that you can be. Thank you for listening.